0: Amen. Welcome. Glad you can join us in our study of Jeremiah tonight. So we are going to be starting in chapter 36 of Jeremiah. So if you get your Bibles ready, pray that you are well and that you are warm. It's really crazy weather around here, isn't it? That all of a sudden as we went from 100 degrees this last weekend to snow uh, in 48 hours, And uh, we had ash falling from the fires as the Chambers uh, fire just uh, blew up uh, this weekend. Over 100,000 acres. It's one of the largest fires in Colorado history. And uh, we, of course, are praying for all the firefighters. And the snow that came in is a blessing to help uh, suppress the fire and uh, hopefully to keep it from running any further because we do have people in our fellowship that have homes up there or cabins up there and they've had to evacuate some areas and uh, so we're just praying that that fire will stop and uh, it won't be burning any more acres. So be praying for the firefighters there and also all across Colorado. It has been a very dry and hot summer so the moisture coming in the snow kind of uh, shocks our system uh, as we go from ninety nine degrees down to twenty nine degrees is quite a, a drop in temperature but Uh, we welcome that moisture up there and pray that uh, those fires stop. Also, just want to remind you before we get into our study here tonight, is that we are doing in-person services on Sunday morning as uh, this whole summer in June, July, and August. We were outside in the backyard on the deck. It worked well. We had two services. Now we're back inside, and we are doing 8, 9, 30, and 11 o'clock. Last Sunday was the kickoff that we did that. We had children's ministry open in nursery. It was such a tremendous blessing to see the kids back in classes, and they were so excited and have those in the nursery that are being ministered to and toddlers. And so what we have done is we're asking that you register uh, for the services at 8, nine thirty, and 11 o'clock, and register your children because we want to make sure that we have enough space for them. We're still practicing social distancing in a limited amount of people that can be in the building at a service, in the sanctuary, and in the classroom. So please register for those services and for the kids. If a service does fill up, it will tell you that it is full and you can go to another service. So you got three morning services to choose from. Uh, last Sunday, of course, being a Labor Day weekend, And uh, it it worked out very well. And uh, it was uh, fairly even, the services and then the kids coming in. So we had plenty of room. Get signed up, get registered. Also, we have the coffee shop that is going to be available for you who perhaps that you're not ready for your kids uh, to be in class. You can be out there and you can watch the service and see the service. And then also what we're doing for a few more weeks uh, through uh, at least this Sunday, as long as the weather holds out through the end of September, is we're actually having a TV on the back deck with a speaker. And you can go and put your lawn chair out in the backyard some people had expressed that they really liked that. They like being in the backyard. They, they like the openness, the open air. So, we're going to make that available for a few more weeks. At the end of September, uh, we will stop that and we will have everybody come back inside uh, as we head into the fall weather. But if we hit a Sunday that it's not good, we, we won't be out there. So, we're just watching it. This Sunday is supposed to be back up to around 80. It's actually going to be probably very comfortable. If If you're planning on going in the backyard, bring your own lawn chair, your own shade, and then you do not need to register if you're going to be in the backyard. And uh, we want to just accommodate you as you come because I know it's been feels like we're jumping through hoops to be able to gather, but we did gather. It was so wonderful to have people here in the sanctuary that we haven't had that for six months. For six months uh, for me to be up here in the worship team and then people actually here worshiping in the sanctuary. It's been a long time, and uh, I'm so looking forward to this fall uh, as we head towards the end of the year uh, to be able to continue to do that and make adjustments as we need to. Uh, but the body of Christ needs to be together, and we need to be worshiping. So get registered for Sunday. You can do that every week. Uh, every week we're going to ask you to register, and uh, we'll go from there and see what the Lord does. want to also remind you that on Fridays, the young adults are meeting uh, from 18 years old to 26 years old is the young adults uh, fellowship, and at seven o'clock on Fridays, and then also on Saturday evening is the high schoolers meeting from six in the evening till eight thirty, and then middle schoolers uh, will be meeting after the third service this Sunday for some time of fellowship. The middle schoolers are meeting at the nine thirty and eleven o'clock service. So parents, if you can get them registered as well. So um, neat things, great things are happening here at Calvary Chapel as we just continue to gather t- together. Um, Lady studies on Tuesday nights, men's study on Tuesday night. So things are going on during the week, and we're getting small groups coming together, and we are so excited about that. I'll be looking at your e-bulletin for other things. Grief Share is going to be starting up at the end of the month. Uh, they're doing Zoom meetings, uh, also Monday night, most excellent way. And then we uh, are asking for volunteers in certain areas. We're cleaning in between services Services. And if you'd like to help with that, uh, we would certainly welcome that or volunteers with the children's ministry. And uh, we are just uh, wanting to have you serve in very practical ways as the Lord leads you. So thank uh, just look at our website. You can register at org. That's O-R-G uh, for the services, and then also uh, our mobile app will take you to that. So I uh, wanted to pass that information on to you. Father, we do ask, as we get into our Bible study tonight, that um, there are those who have been, for the last several weeks, On the front lines of those fires that have burned, the largest fire in Colorado history on the western slope, Um, fires that have burned between there and um, the front range here. So, Lord, we welcome this moisture. And I pray that this fire, Cameron Peak Fire, would stop, that no more structures would be burnt, homes Uh, that you would save them. And, Lord, we thank you for the efforts of those on the front lines, uh, those first responders. I pray that you give them rest, keep them safe, and, Lord, that uh, our state would get the moisture that it needs. I even pray for uh, this time because I know that guys are out in the field harvesting, that they would be able to get things harvested this fall but also I pray for this winter that the moisture would come to our mountains. Uh, We need it very desperately to snowpack. So we left these things up to you. And Lord, we also pray that during this time of the pandemic that's still with us, as people are navigating through schools and um, all kinds of things, making decisions, it's been such a huge adjustment that Lord, that this um, pandemic would go away and it would uh, cause us to, Lord, just uh, look to you more than ever. Be patient and uh, to know that you're still working, and you are. And and I thank you for this fellowship, that we are able to continue to just meet together as a church family. So protect this uh, facility, protect this family, uh, this church, from anything that would keep us from meeting together and COVID or anything else, Lord. And we just commit these things to you. And Lord, speak to our hearts tonight as we learn from Jeremiah. Uh, This isn't just a history lesson. Events that took place 2,600 years ago But Lord, they're for us. They're recorded for our our admonition and for our learning and for our application. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now, when you go through the book of Jeremiah, one of the things that you have to do is kind of put your thinking cap on because Jeremiah is not written in chronological order. And what I mean by that is Jeremiah had a ministry that was over 40 years long. He began to minister during the reign of Josiah. And Josiah was the last of the Godly kings in Judah that brought reforms to the land. Of course, it was Josiah that had the book of the law read to him. He was quickened to the heart. He tore his clothes. He said, So wonder that we're going through such difficulties uh, because we've forsaken the Lord. So he called for the temple worship to be restored, Passover to be worshiped once again, uh, the Levites and the priests to be in their place ministering. And even though he took down the uh, places of false worship, Worship, the people in their hearts still had that going on. There was still that that place of of false worship and false belief and, and all of that that was still there, even though there was reforms. Because we saw earlier in the book in uh, Jeremiah that the Lord said that you have these reforms, uh, you're turning to me, but only in pretense and. We know that Josiah, as he was killed in 609 B.C., that the people fell right back into idol worship and and into worshiping false gods and giving their ears to the false messages of the false prophets. There was all kinds of sin and iniquity that was in the land. So Jeremiah is coming along, and he's telling the people to turn back to the Lord or there's going to be devastation. There's going to be destruction. You're going to go off into captivity. Now, we got to keep our thinking caps on because after Josiah there was four more kings that came on the scene There was Josiah's son, Jehoiakim, with an M, that reigned for uh, 11 years. Right before him, uh, Josiah's son, Jehoiahaz, he came to the throne after the death of his father. Uh, The king of Egypt takes him away after three months, and, and he's taken off to Egypt. So Jehoiakim becomes king then for 11 years. And he is king during that time that Babylon comes into Jerusalem in six 5 BC, up until the second deportation, and Jehoiakim rules during that time. After Jehoiakim, his son comes on the scene. For only a few months, he's taken off into Babylon. You see, Jehoiakim, we'll talk about him, was a terrible king, and Nebuchadnezzar was frustrated. He was going to come in and probably destroy Jerusalem, but it is believed that the people would kill Jehoiakim, and so that appeased the king of Babylon but he would come in the second time in 597 B.C. and take Ezekiel and more people away captive. Well, that would leave Jehoiakim with an inn uh, as king for just three months, and he's taken off to Babylon. And then they put Zedekiah in place uh, for the last 11 years, and he would reign until the third time that Nebuchadnezzar comes into uh, Judah, into Jerusalem, and destroys the city and Solomon's temple. So, as we go through these chapters, for example, last week we went through chapter 34 and the word came to Zedekiah. To Zedekiah, right before Nebuchadnezzar comes in and destroys Jerusalem. When we went into the next chapter, chapter 35, the word came to Jehoiakim. So it goes back in time. And it's important, I don't mean to bore you with a lot of names of the kings and and time frames. But it really helps us in understanding what has taken place and why the word of the Lord is coming to them, the messages, because Zedekiah, he is going to reign up until that time. We will see tonight, right before Babylon destroys the city, Jehoiakim, he is going to get a word, as we're going to see. Let's read in chapter 36, verse 1, it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, that the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came to Jeremiah, the Lord saying, so this is 605 BC. This is going to be the first time that Nebuchadnezzar comes into Jerusalem to take Daniel and a choice man of Judah away to Babylon, and also began to take some of the treasuries of the house of the Lord away as well. So it helps us understand as we go through this what has taken place, uh, the uh, scene that is uh, taken place, and uh, where we are in the captivity. The captivity 70 years starting in 605 BC would go to 536 BC but here is the fourth year of the reign of Jehoiakim so Josiah dies in 609 BC in the fourth year it be in 605 BC when Nebuchadnezzar is going to come uh, into Jerusalem You see, he defeated the Egyptians in a famous battle that was called the Battle of Sharshamis. And the Babylonians are now world power. Uh, They are the the world-dominating power in the whole known world in Middle East there. And we know that uh, Nebuchadnezzar the king, his father, died. So Nebuchadnezzar, as he's fighting that battle, has to hurry back to Babylon to secure the throne, and he stops in Jerusalem. And he takes Daniel in a choice man of way. captivity. So we know the historical scene, what has taken place. But at this time, as the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, verse 2, take a scroll of the book and write it uh, on it all the words that I have spoken to you against Israel, against Judah, and against all the nations from the day I spoke to you from the days of Josiah even to this day. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the adversities which I purpose to bring upon them, that everyone may turn from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. So at this time, the Lord again is pleading with the people, uh, his people, uh, that please turn away from your iniquity from your false worship. Give this word to them, Jeremiah, and and perhaps this city will be spared. And that was the message that Jeremiah was given to Jehoiakim and also to Zedekiah. Don't rebel against Nebuchadnezzar and submit to him, and the city will not be destroyed. The temple will not be destroyed. But they continued in their disobedience. The Lord kept coming to them and saying, turn from the dictates of your evil heart. Turn back to me, give up your false worship, give up your false uh, idols, give up you know, your sin. They were burning their children on the arms of Moloch in the Gehenna Valley. They were ones that were given to immorality. They were ones that were involved in all kinds of sin and carnality that we have looked at here in the book of Jeremiah, and the Lord was wanting them to turn away otherwise that you're going to go off into captivity and Jerusalem's going to be destroyed and there's going to be death and devastation. So this is a message that takes place nearly 20 years before Jerusalem is destroyed. So Jeremiah, you are to write these things down in a scroll, in a book. Let's continue reading. Jeremiah is in the middle of his ministry. He's been speaking and prophesying for 20 years, and as he writes these things down, he does it on behalf of the Lord, and and so that these prophecies could be read to the people. They are warned of judgment, and perhaps they would repent. We know that they wouldn't, but let's continue on in verse 4. Then Jeremiah called uh, Barak, the son of Neriah, and Barak wrote on the scroll of a book at the instruction of at of Jeremiah, all the words of the Lord which he has spoken to him. And Jeremiah commanded Barak, saying, I am confined. I cannot go into the house of the Lord. We don't know what exactly was going on to where he was confined, but he wasn't able to go. And verse 6, you go therefore and read from the scroll, uh, which you have written at my instruction, the words of the Lord in the hearing of the people in the Lord's house on the day of fasting. And you shall also read them into the hearing of all Judah who come from their cities. And it may be that you will present their supplication before the Lord, and everyone will turn from his evil way. For great is the anger and the fury the Lord has pronounced against his people. And so Jeremiah tells his scribe, to write down everything as I instruct you uh, in this book, the instruction of Jeremiah. It is believed that that is the phrase that Jeremiah was speaking. As the Lord had inspired um, Jeremiah to speak the words of the Lord, Uh, Barak would write these words down that Jeremiah told him, and Jeremiah sends his scribe to go to the temple. Barak would go on a day of fasting. Now, here's what was taking place. We've seen this in the book of Jeremiah. Whenever they found themselves in trouble, here it is, the Babylonians are coming. It's gonna be the first wave of captivity that they would go for a fast. Uh, let's turn to the Lord. Let's turn to him. And, and yet, it wasn't true repentance. Uh, they were ones that they thought, well, maybe we can uh, appease God somehow if we fast. And we saw that last week, as you remember, that it would be later on, when Nebuchadnezzar and the army surrounded Jerusalem, and they were going to break through the walls, that they said, hey, let's do what's right. Let's go ahead and free the Hebrew slaves. And then when uh, the Babylonian army would retreat to go take care of Egypt, uh, once again, uh, they said, well, we're going to call and th- the slaves back and put them under slavery again. Uh, so they were ones that they uh, were playing games with the Lord, and they would call for a fast, and maybe that'll buy us some time, and the Lord will be uh, pleased with that. It's kind of like the person who wants to live the way they want to live, and they think, I'll I'll go to church, I'll, I'll do this religious act, and maybe that will help me. Uh, I'll do this religious thing and maybe that'll please God rather than true repentance coming from their heart. So he was to read these words there at the temple uh, at a, a fast day. Uh, Jeremiah was forbidden to go to the temple uh, and they would put their lives in danger in doing this, as we're going to see a little bit later on, because it is a very difficult message that he is giving to them. It was, we continue reading in verse 8, and Barak, the son of Neriah, did a according to all that Jeremiah the prophet commanded him, reading from the book the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. Now it came to pass in the fifth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month that they proclaimed a fast before the Lord to all the people in Jerusalem and to all the people who came from the cities of Judah to Jerusalem. Then Barak read from the book the words of Jeremiah in the house of the Lord in the chambers of uh, Jemaah, Riah, the son of Sephan, the scribe, in the upper court of the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house in the hearing of all the people. So the people gathered. They proclaimed this fast. But once again, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Had uh, already invaded and take away captives, uh, and later would uh, come back again a, a second time some years later, but uh, they would not repent from their sins. They were sorry for their consequences. And so, Gemma R. Gemma, uh, Gemma Raya is a notary republic that's mentioned here. He's a son of Saphon, and it's interesting because they found. A, um, a piece of pottery With his name on uh, Archaeologists Confirming that this is a real person That is in the Bible It's so fascinating that the Bible uh, Is true historically Always remember that It is very accurate historically And whenever archaeologists Find and make a discovery uh, What happens is Is that the Bible confirms What it is that they found And we see that the Bible Is very accurate As they discover more uh, That these are are real people that really happened. For example, I remember uh, that uh, for a long time, uh, uh, several uh, decades ago, that there was scholars that were saying, well, Pontius Pilate never really existed. And in Caesarea, back in the late 60s, that they found a stone with Governor Pontius Pilate, his name on it. So it confirmed what the Bible said. And and archaeologists, as their spades dig up more and more finds and discoveries that confirm what the Bible says historically. So always remember that the Bible is accurate, but we continue in verse 11. This grows to be read, um, not only in the house of the Lord, but also in the palace, as we read that uh, Micahiah, the son of uh, Jemaar, Riah, the son of Saphan, heard all the words of the Lord from the book, and then he went down to the king's house to the scribe's chambers, and there were all the princes that were there sitting. So there, in verse uh, twelve, there's all these names: Ella, Shama, and Deleiah, and. El Nathan and, and others that are there that are scribes. In verse 13, Micaiah declared to them all the words that he had heard when Barak read the book in the hearing of the people. And therefore all the princes sent to Jehudai, the son of Nath. Um, Nathaniah, the son of Shalamiah, the son of Cushai, to Barak saying, take your hand, the scroll from which you have read in the hearing of the people, and come. So Barak, the son of Neriah, took the scroll in his hand and came to them. Verse 15 of the chapter we read, and they said to him, sit down now and read it in their hearing. So Barak read it in their hearing. Now it happened when they had heard all the words that they looked in fear from one another and said to Barak, we will surely tell the king all these words and they asked Barak saying tell us now how did you write all these words at his instruction in other words with his mouth was he prophesying and Barak answered them, he proclaimed with his mouth all these words to me and I wrote them with ink in the book and then the princess said to Barak Go and hide you in Jeremiah. Let no one know where you are. As we consider this, the officials of Judah would hear the reading of the scroll that was in the palace there, these scribes these these leaders and they said that uh as they heard it did you hear this from jeremiah did he prophesy this and Barak says yes this is what came from him the word of the lord is given to you and it says that fear fell upon them they knew it wasn't good Um, they knew that it was bad news for them uh, and so fear came upon them You know, one of the things when we read the word of the Lord, sometimes people, they become fearful when they read that without Jesus Christ and faith in him, that you will be eternally separated, that you, uh, you know, will be separated from him because hell is real. And uh, we need Jesus Christ. Or that judgment's going to come at the end of the world when the Lord establishes his kingdom before that, that there is going to be judgment on a Christ-rejected world. Things like that. And people can read it, and they can become fearful. The thing is, what are you going to do with what it is that the Bible says? Because the Bible doesn't just leave us in fear. You know, wisdom begins in the fear of the Lord, Proverbs says wisdom really is the beginning is the fear of the lord and we are to have a reverence for god and his word We as Christians do not have an unhealthy terror of God. We live in the fear of the Lord, and that is your word is true. We reverence you. You are almighty God. You sit on the throne, and we thank you because we are your children. We belong to you, and the judgment that we deserve for our sins was put upon Jesus on the cross. But we are also to tell people the truth, and that is that there is no hope apart from faith in Jesus Christ. There is no salvation, there's no forgiveness, and that there is eternal separation. And that can cause people to, to fear. And these guys know that this isn't good. And uh, he, he, they went on to say that Jeremiah and, and you, Barak, you need to hide because this is a, a message that the king is not going to like and your lives are in danger. and And that would be very much you know, consistent in what we read in the book of Jeremiah, uh, because this is going to be read to the king, Jehoiakim, and he didn't care about the people. Uh, He didn't care about spiritual things. He only cared about himself. And we also know that Jehoiakim, when another prophet that is briefly mentioned here in Jeremiah, a contemporary Jeremiah, his name was Uriah, that he spoke against Jerusalem and against the people of God and against Jehoiakim, and then he fled for his life. And he went all the way to Egypt, and it was Jehoiakim that sent men to go get him to Egypt and bring him back and had him killed. So this, this you know, uh, took a lot of courage for Barak to come to these scribes. Read this in the house of the Lord publicly. Come to the scribes. They're full of fear. They said, listen, if this is coming from Jeremiah and you're writing it down, you guys need to hide because they're going to come after you. And sometimes it takes a lot of courage for us to give people the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word, doesn't it? And and people will come against us. And people uh, will uh, be ones that uh, will persecute us in some degree or another. But the Bible says that those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, and, and we are to be ones to be faithful to giving the word of God to others. So let's continue as we read in verse 20 of the chapter, as the scroll uh, is going to be read now to the king, and they went out to the king and to the court, but they stored the scroll in the chamber of Elishamah, the scribe, and told all the words to the hearing of the king. So the king sent uh, Jehudai to bring the scroll, and he took it from... Elishama, the scribe's chamber, and Je- Jehuda read it in hearing the king, and in hearing all the princes who stood beside the king. And now the king was sitting in the winter house in the ninth month with a fire burning on the earth before him. So uh, it is winter time, it is December. And we know that this scroll uh, is read to the king. He has a fire. It gets cold in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem in December and January, it can snow. Uh, it's very damp. It's the wet season during this time. He has a fire that he's keeping warm. And all his princes are there and his officials are there next to him while this is being read. And we read that in verse uh, 23, and it happened when Je- I read three or four columns that the king cut it with this scribe's knife and cast it in the fire that was in the earth until the scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the earth. So here is this fireplace, this hearth that's there, and uh, the scroll's being read, and Jehoiakim doesn't like it. He takes out the knife, and he begins to chop it up, and he throws it in the fire. He thinks he can just burn it. doesn't want to hear it, doesn't want to deal with it at all. And, and it goes on to say, yet they were not afraid, nor they um, tear their garments. The king nor any of his servants who heard all these words. So the scribes who were there that were listed earlier in the chapter, they were afraid. Uh, They were afraid. They were cut to the heart when these words were given. The king here, he isn't afraid, nor his princes that are around him. I imagine they're chuckling. I imagine they're scoffing. They chop it up. Uh, They don't tear their garments at all. It's different than what it was When the book of the law was read to his father, Josiah, remember Josiah, that they found a copy of the word of the Lord. He gave the orders uh, that you clean up the temple, clean all the trash out, get all the idols out. In the corner, they found the book of the law. It was read to Josiah, and he was cut to the heart. And he tore his clothes. And he said, so wonder that we're in trouble. And he began the reforms and bring back temple worship, as I mentioned earlier in the teaching. Well, here Jehoiakim, his son, is not cut to the heart. He takes a knife out and he cuts up uh, the scroll. And, and the word of God is going to have one of two you know, effects on you. It's either going to cut you to the heart or you're going to say, I don't want to deal with this. You know, Josiah was cut to the heart, tore his clothes. Here is um, his son, Jehoiakim. He takes this knife out and he cuts out the word of God, thinks he can get rid of it. It was Jesus that said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And unfortunately, there are those who think that they can cut out the word of God out of their lives. There are those who hear it, and they're not convicted. Their hearts are hard, and they cut it out of their lives. But I pray for us always that we would allow the Word of God to cut us to the heart, that it is alive and and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, that it pierces our hearts, cuts us to the heart. Remember the the two guys on the road to Emmaus that Jesus came, and he spoke to them about uh, the prophecies of Messiah after his resurrection, and he said, you guys that are slow to heart, you should believe. And, and it says that they were cut to the heart, those two men, and their eyes were opened up and they recognized that they were with Jesus, had been traveling with Jesus. And as we allow the word of God to cut us to the heart, that our eyes will be opened spiritually and we will come to more understanding, but we are to let the word of God cut us to the heart and to be careful That as we read the Bible and go through this book, that we don't cut out portions of the word of God that we don't like. Well, I don't like that part that I'm to forgive. I don't like that part that uh, I'm to uh, go the extra mile. I don't like that part that I am to uh, give preference to others or I'm to esteem others better than myself. I don't like that part that I am to pray for those who persecute me. We're not to cut that out. But sometimes we can read and say, that's not for me, Lord. But to allow the Lord minister these things in my heart and work them out in my life. Because we can't do this, live as a Christian in our own energies, in our own flesh, and our you know, own, um, you know, in, in, own efforts. We need the Lord, the work of the Holy Spirit working through us, that we may live a life pleasing. But when we hear the word of God, allow it to to really penetrate our hearts. And unfortunately, there are Christians that come along and say, well, I don't like this in the Bible. I don't like this part. I don't like this part. Cutting out the Word of God. And there are pastors, unfortunately, behind the pulpit that are cutting out much of the Word of God. And it's dangerous. Let the Word of God cut you to the heart. Because it's like a two-edged sword piercing you know, our hearts because it's alive and real. And so here they they cut it up, he thinks he can throw it in the fire, but the Lord has something that he's going to have Jeremiah do to deal with this and the king had burned the scroll verse 27 with the words which Barak had written in the instruction of Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, take yet another scroll and write it on all the former words that were the first scroll which Jehoiakim the king of Judah has burned, so make another copy another scroll, he can't do away with it and I'm going to add a few things. And you shall say to Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Thus says the Lord, you have burned this scroll, saying, Why have you written it? Uh, that the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land and cause man and beast to cease from here. And therefore, thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, He shall have no one sit on the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast in the heat of the day and the frost of the night. And I will punish him, his family, and his servants for their iniquity. And I will bring on them the, iniqu- uh, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, And on the men of Judah, all the doom that I have pronounced against them, but they did not heed. Then Jeremiah took another scroll, gave it to Barak, the scribe, the son of Neriah, who wrote on it at the instruction of Jeremiah, all the words of the book, which Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burned in the fire. And besides, there were added to them many, many similar words. So write down. So these same words, I'm going to add a few things. It's not going to be good for Jehoiakim. He thought that he could destroy God's word. People over the centuries have thought they could destroy God's word, but they can't. So write it down and tell him that he's going to be judged for his iniquity. No descendant is going to sit upon David's throne. Now, it would be after Jehoiakim. What happened, as I've told you historically, he was a terrible king. He only thought about himself. And, and Nebuchadnezzar was thought to come in and was going to destroy Jerusalem because of that and his rebellion. So uh, the people would take Jehoiakim. It is believed he was assassinated, thrown in a garbage heap. And that's what it speaks about, the prophecy that you're going to you know, be there. And um, you're going to uh, be there cast into the heat of the day and the frost of the night, thrown out there, and, and that would appease Nebuchadnezzar to where. The next year, he did not come, or after that, he didn't come into Jerusalem and destroy at that time. So Jehoiakim reigns for 11 years. Uh, He is the king during the first deportation of Daniel, and then right before the second deportation, the people kill him. His son, Jehoiakim, with an N, is reigning, and Babylon said, nope, you're not gonna reign, and after just a few months, he would be off into Babylon, taken away. So when it says, here, that you will have no one sitting upon the throne is speaking of a length of time. No one to sit means to dwell for a length of time, and he didn't. He's only, you know, a few weeks, a, a few months, and then he would be carted off. And then Zedekiah is put on the throne, and then he is reigning for the last. Uh, th- 11 years before the destruction of Jerusalem. And that's what we're going to be looking at in chapter 37 here. So um, Zedekiah would reign uh, from the second deportation to the final assault on Jerusalem. So you're going to have no descendants sits on the throne. You are going to be judged, you and your people. You won't have a proper burial. And then thirdly, God's going to punish uh, his descendants, his children, and his attendants that would be do wickedly. And Jeremiah does what God tells him to do in another scroll is given. But now chapter 37, we see that we're going to go fast forward from 605 BC to nearly... You know, 19 years later, to right before the destruction of Jerusalem, the king Zedekiah, verse 1, the son of Josiah, reigned instead of Coniah, that is Jehoiakim, the son of Jehoiakim, who Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made king in the land of Judah. But neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land gave heed um, to the words of the Lord, which he spoke by the prophet Jeremiah. So they refused to listen to Uh, the Lord, Zedekiah, just like uh, Jehoiakim. And we know that Zedekiah was placed uh, on the throne of Judah by Babylon. And it's a very dark time in the nation. It's right before the destruction of Jerusalem. But it's such a sad note here that neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land gave heed to the words of the Lord, which was spoken. We see that a lot, don't we? And it's sad to see it around us in our culture, in our nation, in our society, that people don't want to take heed to the word of God. They they ignore, dismiss the word of God. And when we talk about how in the last days that we are in, uh, that there are those who, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear that the Lord's going to come back. They don't want to hear that there's going to be a tribulation period seven years, that there's going to be judgment on a Christ-rejected world. They don't want to hear that there are signs all around us that point to the soon return of Jesus Christ. And here is a time when Babylon is about ready to destroy Jerusalem, and they're knocking at the door, and, and they've already taken waves of deportation away and yet they refuse to turn to the lord and we see signs all around this that are taking place the storm clouds gathering uh the the pieces of the puzzle coming together that are telling us that the lord is coming back but yet people will dismiss that uh, it is in peter that he talks about in the last days there'll be those who will be mockers saying where's the coming of the lord since your forefather's day all things continue as they were No, things are rapidly rushing towards the time when these events that are spoken of in the scripture are going to take place concerning the last days, and we don't want to ignore that. So they did. In verse 3, and Zedekiah the king sent to Jehukal the son of Shelemiah, and Zephaniah, the son of Messiah, and the priests and the prophets, Jeremiah, saying, pray now to the Lord our God for us. Now Jeremiah was coming and going among the people, for they had not yet put him in prison. And then Pharaoh's army came up from Egypt, and when the Chaldeans, who were besieging Jerusalem, this is the third time that, uh, and final time of Babylon doing that, they heard news of them, and they departed from Jerusalem. And then the word of the Lord came to the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, uh, the God of Israel, Thus you shall say to the king of Judah, who sent you to me, and inquired of me, Behold, Pharaoh's army, which has come to help you, will return to Egypt to their own land. And that Chaldeans shall come back and fight against the city and take it and burn it with fire. And thus, says the Lord, do not deceive yourselves, saying the Chaldeans will surely depart from us, for they will not heed. For though they have defeated the whole army of the Chaldeans who fight against you, and there remain only wounded men among them, they would rise up every man to his tent and burn the city with fire. Listen, Jeremiah, you know, the Babylonians, uh, as they would go fight against the Egyptians who had come to challenge Babylon, they hoped uh, the, the Zedekiah and Judah hoped Egypt's going to help us. The Egyptians are going to come and be our help, and they were not a help. And we saw it earlier, even with Isaiah chapter 30, you may be familiar with the chapter, that they were doing the same thing. They were looking for Egypt to help them with the mighty Assyrian army and empire at that time, to no prevail. Egypt is a picture of the world. And sometimes, you know, as Christians, they will turn to Egypt to help them in their time of trouble when the Lord is saying, I want to be your help. I want to be your counselor. I want to be your strength. I am your help, your very present help, as the psalmist writes in the scriptures. Turn to me, look to me. And Egypt is not going to help you. Pharaoh's not going to help you. The fast Arabian horses are not going to deliver you. Even if all the Chaldeans were wounded, they're going to come to Jerusalem, they're going to besiege it, and they're going to burn it with fire. So don't think that you're in the clear. And we saw just a couple chapters ago, if you've been with us uh, in our study, that in chapter 20, or 34 when this happened when the, the chaldeans the babylonian armies retreated to go take care of egypt that they did wickedly they had freed the slaves they thought oh you know maybe the lord will find favor for us if we do what we should have done a long time ago um, and they freed the hebrew slaves But then when the the Babylonians retreated to take care of the Egyptians that we're reading about here, then they put uh, those slaves, put them back under slavery. And the Lord said, why did you do this? You did what was right, and now you're going back and putting them back in slavery, and that's wrong, and you've done wickedly. So this is a very um, difficult time. And even though here is the army surrounding Jerusalem and going to break through Uh, they refuse to do what is right. So Jeremiah ends up being in prison as we uh, continue in this chapter. And it happened when the army of the Chaldeans, verse 11, left the siege of Jerusalem for fear of Pharaoh's army, that Jeremiah went out to Jerusalem to go to the land of Benjamin to claim his property there among the people. And when he was at the gate of Benjamin, a captain of the guard was there whose name was Urijah, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Hananiah. He sees Jerusalem, the prophet saying, you're defecting to the Chaldeans. So Jeremiah leaves Jerusalem. It's clear that he was able to leave the city because the Chaldeans had left the battle the Egyptians. He's taking care of some personal business. And he is going out of town. And as he does... Uh, He is taken here, and he is accused falsely of treason. And what happens is, as he says, that's false. I'm not defecting, verse 14, to the Chaldeans, but he did not listen to him, so Uriah just seized Jeremiah and brought him to the princess. And therefore the princess was angry with Jeremiah, and they struck him and put him in prison for the house of Jonathan the scribe, for they made that the prison. And so he's thrown into this prison, probably a a cistern, uh, this hole in the ground that was a dark, deep dungeon, accused falsely. We see that with the man of faith in Scripture. We see that with Paul. Remember, he was accused falsely. He was accused falsely of taking men into the uh, temple in Jerusalem, and that was in, I believe, chapter 21 of the book of Acts. And so you read the rest of the book of Acts, how he goes through this legal nightmare Um, you know, that took him to Rome where he would be under house arrest in Rome. But it's interesting what happens here is is we continue reading in verse 17. and, And as Jeremiah entered the dungeon, the cells, Jeremiah had remained there many days, verse 17, Zedekiah the king sent and took him out. And the king asked him secretly in the house and said, is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, there is. And then he said, you shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. So so here is the king. He comes secretly to see Jeremiah. And he says, Is there any word of the Lord? Jeremiah says, Yeah, there's a word. It hasn't changed. That you're going to be given over to the Babylonians. You're going to be delivered to the king of Babylon. And moreover, verse 18, Jeremiah said to the king Zedekiah, "What offense have I committed against you, against your servants, or against this people that you put me in prison? Where now are your prophets who prophesied to you, saying the king of Babylon will not come against you or against this land? Therefore, please hear now, O my lord." The king, please let my petition be accepted before you. Do not make me return to the house of Jonathan the scribe lest I die there. It must be a terrible place. Then Zedekiah the king commanded that they should commit Jeremiah to the court of the prison and that they should give him daily a piece of bread from the baker's street until the bread in the city was gone. Thus Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. So here is Jeremiah in prison. The king comes and sees him. Is there any word? Um, Yeah, you're going to go into... Captivity. You're going to be delivered to the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. And yet he did not repent. Yet he did not turn to the Lord. And Jeremiah says, your advisors, your prophets have deceived you. They are wrong. Where are they now? And... So, Zedekiah is interesting that he would do that. Why didn't he just repent? It's interesting. Remember in Acts chapter 24, when Paul went through that legal nightmare, he was taken to Caesarea, and there was the governor, uh, Felix, and, and Drusilla, his wife. They would come to hear Paul, and, and they would hear him, and Paul would witness to them, but yet they, they would not give their lives to the Lord. Uh, I think about even uh, Agrippa II when Paul went into the amphitheater right after that and gave his testimony that Agrippa II said, Oh, Paul, much learning has made you mad. And, And Paul said, Oh, Agrippa, I know you believe. Don't you believe? Don't you believe you've heard the testimony? He was so intrigued with it. We know that before that, during the ministry of Jesus, that it was Herod the Tetrarch, that would come and hear John the Baptist. He had John the Baptist arrested and he would go secretly where John was kept and it says that uh, he heard John the Baptist gladly but ended up having him put to death. There are those that perhaps that we're ministering to that they come to us and ask us questions or what does the Bible say about this or... What is the you know the word of the Lord on on that? But yet they just will not give their lives to the Lord, and I know it's frustrating, but keep praying and praying that the Lord will open their eyes. Jeremiah was given bread and it's in short supply. And we want to give people keep giving them the bread of life, Jesus Christ. But pray for them. Their eyes be open that Lord that that they may receive it and and you know that the Lord's convicting them. You know the Lord is just, oh, they're just right there, but don't give up on them. Keep ministering to them. And may the Lord just guide you and direct you and, and as you just continue to give the truth of God's word, his love, and the gospel message, and and the message of hope for anyone. So, Father, we thank you for these two chapters. and And, Lord, so much that is here that we learn from Jeremiah. And, I just pray that we would be ones that we would continue to be committed to the Lord, to you in every way, and to your word, that we wouldn't dismiss the word of God, that we would allow the word of God to cut us to the heart, to quicken our hearts, Lord, not to cut the word of God out of our hearts, because all of it is inspired by you, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And I pray, Lord, that we would be ones that would share that word with others, even those who maybe perhaps keep coming back and asking, that we would be patient, that we would be used by you, and that we would give them the bread of life, Jesus Christ. So, Father, I thank you for this time that we had in Jeremiah. I pray you bless everyone here. Again, we just pray for, um, Lord, you working in our lives, because these are dire times, and people are ignoring, dismissing the word of God, but Jeremiah was obedient to you to keep giving it to the people. And we want to give it to the people that are linked to us in our lives. Bless everyone here. We look forward to meeting on Sunday. And bless everyone's week. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you. hope to see you on Sunday.